Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. It must be draft day. It is a big day for the National Football League, and I thought it would be inappropriate if we did not give a little attention to what's going on draft day. So we went to the ultimate inside source, Scott Mitchell, who is the co-host of KSL News Radio's Unrivaled uh, every night, uh, breaking it down with Alex Curie. And Scott joins us on the line. Scott, how you doing on a draft day? Uh, I hate the draft. <laughs> it brings back bad memories. It was years of sleepless nights. In therapy before I got over it, and the reason it was it was because I was told I was going to get drafted a lot higher than I did, and and oh. watching it on television and then having it go off the air and you're still not drafted, not a fun day. Oh my goodness! So we we got to <laughs> dig into that just a a little deeper. That's not going to cut it here on Inside Sources, Scott. <laughs> uh, so here, so you came in with lots of promise, uh, lots of people telling you, hey, you're you're going to go, you're going to go in that first uh, couple. Yeah, they, people, so yeah, so what people said is they go, you'll be a late first round draft choice, no later than the second round. Like, like you'll go somewhere in the second round for sure. Yeah. And I had teams calling me through the first round, and my mom had, you know, she'd put together this big party, and this was before a lot of people go back to New York and yeah. that whole thing. And and uh, and most of like it, it, up to three rounds was actually on TV the first day, and it, it's so it's much much slower, much more pageantry now. And, but at the time, you're just watching it on television. So these teams are calling me. They're like, yeah, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'll go anywhere. I don't care. And then the first round comes and goes, second round, third round. And then it goes off the air. And I finally go home to my apartment. And uh, Coach Shula calls me on the phone. Oh. Like the legendary Coach Shula. The, yeah, the Don Shula. Right. Yeah, <laughs> whom I've never spoken to, nor met, nor did they ever talk to me or ever work me out before the draft. And wow. he said, uh, hey, uh, look on the TV. We're getting ready to draft you. And I'm like, TV went off about three hours ago. He goes, <laughs> well, anyways, uh, congratulations. Here's my secretary. Make your plans, and I'll see you in like two days. Wow. And that, that was it. <laughs> Fascinating. One, just getting a phone call from Don Shula. Uh, I actually met Don Shula one time at his steakhouse in Miami. <laughs> That's a great place to meet him because it's a, a great steakhouse. <laughs> it is a great steakhouse for sure. Uh, so so take us behind the scenes in terms of what uh, we're looking at for this year's draft. Uh, not just the, the talent. Uh, of course, we've got some local guys that are uh, going to play early, I think. Uh, but but from the team standpoint, uh, what's kind of the strategy? How do you how do you really go into that? You're looking at multiple rounds. You've got all these holes to fill, salary caps, all of that. 
How do you how do you work through that from kind of a leadership strategy standpoint? Yeah, it's a tough thing because you have all these moving parts. You have an owner, you have a general manager, you have your scouting department, you have your head coach, and you've got all these egos, and you try to cram them into one. <laughs> Imagine Jerry Jones in a room just by himself. Oh That's goodness. enough ego for everyone. <laughs> yeah, and so you've got to you've got to because everyone has a different opinion. You know, they all yeah. look at these guys. And so it's coming to a consensus, and usually these teams will sit down and they'll say, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna draft by um, the best available, you know, because you mm-hmm. can't you can't find that kind of that home run, that Hall of Famer, you know. There's maybe there's maybe one or two or three in a draft every year, or and and not many players have these just really good, amazing careers, even as first round draft choice. So so you want to just you're you're taking a shot, you know, you're sw- you're swinging, you know, your pitches and. And so a lot of times they'll say, okay, we're going to take the best, the best available. And then there are other teams that say, no, we're going to kind of go for a need. And then other teams are like, we don't, you know, <laughs> we're going to just trade out of this altogether. And it's a team like the New England Patriots. The Patriots don't, haven't done well in the draft. They do much better in identifying players who have already established they can play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then they find that talent that fits into their program because they're – how they do things is just a little bit different than other teams. And so they're really good at that. So the draft to them isn't usually a big hoopla. And then they're just teams like the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cleveland Browns, the New York Jets, unfortunately, (laughs) that always pick first. Yeah. And they're always last. And you just go, how could this happen? (laughs) There's something wrong here. Uh And, and, uh, you know, it's it's a funny thing because – the one thing you can't tell, you can measure athleticism, you can measure, you know, intellect, but you can't measure a football player. And it's a different thing. Yeah. It's when you get on the field and you have to make a decision with things just hectic and crazy and going so fast and being able to process information and make the right decision and do it consistently, that's something they just haven't been able to figure out. And yeah. and then there's other factors too. Guys get money. And then they go, yeah, I'm kind of done right now. I'm good. I mean, Zach Wilson, okay, after taxes, if Zach Wilson is not even any good, he's going to have after taxes almost $20 million in the bank tonight. That's a game changer. (laughs) <laughs> and and right and and most people work their entire life and multiple right, we were, lifetimes. We, we may need to recalculate that, Scott, because <laughs> President Biden is going to increase the taxes uh, on the the most wealthy. So we may have to redo your numbers before your show tonight. Yeah, uh, these were based on Clinton numbers back oh, okay. when he was in the White House. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I wanted to ask you real quick. Okay, seventeen million dollars. Okay, seventeen million. He's going to have a, a lot in the bank to be sure. Uh, but I want to get to this one question. We had the uh, Joseph Grenny and uh, our friends at the Other Side Academy now starting the other side village uh and their whole thing is built around culture uh and i know from a corporate standpoint i have always said you know that culture each strategy for breakfast uh you've been in a lot of locker rooms uh where culture is good and where culture is less good uh and talk about that from a draft standpoint are are these teams saying okay there's a good talent but does he fit the culture or can he can we bring him in and mold him to the culture uh, how have you seen that play out? I think I think some teams care greatly about culture, and they're usually the teams that win consistently. The Pittsburgh Steelers have a culture. Mm. The Patriots have a culture. You look at what Tom Brady did when he went to Tampa Bay. Yeah. He like invented culture there. I mean, yeah. he really changed the whole the whole organization. And so by one play, and that can happen. That can happen in the draft. Uh, back when the Forty ers in the early '80s started to get really good. 
they drafted people like Ronnie Lott and 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 some of these other pl- players and and Joe Montana and they and Jerry Rice and all of a sudden these players come in and it's like like we have one mission here and it's excellence and and they and everything they do uh Ronnie Lott tells a story all the time he says first meeting I went to Hacksaw Reynolds who just came was traded to the team had 14 pencils sharpened and it was that detail when he wow. went in into a meeting to make sure he would always have a pencil and Ronnie Lott actually asked if he could borrow a pencil and he looked at him he says get your own <laughs> and he had 14 right and but it's that whole mindset I love that. right it's that whole mindset of uh you know doing it the right way all the time and the little things matter and and so yeah culture and winning in the NFL are synonymous so you get a player that comes in and and the Jets are a perfect perfect example of a terrible culture like i would i'm fearful for zach wilson right now Mm. because this is the jets i mean really and i think he's really good yeah but it's it's just going to be so hard to change that culture but it's a new coach you get a lot of young players in that are kind of like ignorant you know they don't they don't know that it's the jets right they're just these young players that want to go and and have success and that can actually turn things around oh fantastic uh great insight from Scott Mitchell, co-host of KSL News Radio's Unrivaled, uh, in there with Alex Curie. You guys always break it down so well, and uh, thanks for helping us connect all the dots. Because I think all of these things, in terms of culture and leadership and strategy and how you do that, uh, whether it's a house, whether it's a community, whether it's a business, whether it's government, uh, or whether it's an NFL football team, uh, the principles uh, apply to all of it. And I always appreciate the way you apply those and uh, take those in there, Scott. Thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Boyd. All right. Again, that's Scott Mitchell. A great show. Uh, watch them. Uh, listen to them coming up tonight as they break down the draft as that uh, plays out. Will uh, Zach uh, Wilson go early? Will it be later in the day? Will it be like Scott? Uh, will he have to wait a little while uh, before the phone call comes in? I'm I'm guessing his call is coming pretty early. And uh, hopefully he watched the president's speech last night so he can start his tax planning uh, as he gets that rookie contract under his belt. All right, we're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll round out the day today, uh, kind of bringing it all together in terms of what it takes to actually get to success. Government, life, sports, business, it all applies. Find out what it is. It's the brick wall test coming up next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.